Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. College football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope everybody is having a great week, and hope everybody is ready for the second edition of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres heading into Week 12. We know what the big games are this weekend. Ohio State, Michigan State, Utah, Oregon, on and on and on and on and on. What I would say, though, is heading into this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. What is that difference? Why are we doing it? Let me explain. So what I would say is since I've launched this show, I don't know, back in what, early to mid-August, late August, early September, whatever it was, the feedback has been awesome to this show. And I appreciate everybody who has taken the time to reach out privately, to send me DMs, to comment on uh, the iTunes page, all that good stuff. Uh, but I did get one comment this week that I thought was interesting. It wasn't negative and it wasn't bad, but somebody said, Torres, every single week you do the same games to lead the first episode of the week on Monday, and the second episode of the week on Thursday. And I mean, that guy wasn't wrong. I mean, I usually talk about the games that you guys want to hear about to start the show, right? I'm not going to, if Oklahoma's playing Texas in the Red River rivalry, I'm not going to talk about it 35 minutes into the show. But what I've decided to do is this. I've decided that for this episode, and maybe going forward we'll shake things up a little bit, for this episode on Thursday, we are going to start with a couple games that I didn't even talk about on the last episode. The way I figure it is, uh, one, we're going to talk about Ohio State, Michigan State. We're going to talk about Utah and Oregon later on in the show. But I figure, why not do something different? Why not get creative? Why not talk about some games that we didn't even talk about on the last episode and just do something different? If you're only here for Ohio State, Michigan State, that is coming. The analysis is going to be good as always. I never tell you what to bet and how to bet it, but the analysis will be awesome. So we'll get to that game in a minute. But let's do something different. Let's appease that guy that was yelling and screaming. And when I say yelling and screaming, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the other guy that was complaining. And let's talk about some games that I didn't even talk about to, to, to open the, sh the show last week. I didn't talk about them at all on the first episode of Week 12 of College Football Betting. Let's start with a game that America can clearly not wait to watch. The game that all of you wanted me to lead with. How about Wisconsin-Nebraska? That's right. You want to change, people? How about we open with Wisconsin? Nine and a half point favorite. The over-under set at 42 points in this game. I will say the line is down. It opened at Wisconsin minus 10, and it is now the over-under is actually down from 42 and a half to 42. How about that? 42 point over-under. Ohio State scores 42 points in a quarter. That is what the game total is for Wisconsin and Nebraska. And what I would tell you is, if you actually look this one up and you actually look at some of the stats and some of the details that we're going to get into in a minute, 
That over-under doesn't seem so preposterous to me. First of all, I think it's worth noting this is the first game since the big shakeup at Nebraska. If you remember early last week, Nebraska comes out with this statement, Scott Frost will be retained for another season. He is not going to be fired despite his 3-7 and seven season. But then we all know what happened after that. Uh, he immediately fired half of his coaching staff, including basically all of his offensive staff. And so coming into this game, I don't think it's really fair to even begin to venture a guess as to what this Nebraska offense is going to look like on Saturday. One, going up against maybe the best defense in college football outside of Georgia. Statistically, they're even better than Georgia. And then two, on top of that, you now have an offense that is going to be coached in many skill in many position groups that is going to be coached by former GAs, former analysts, guys like that. We're not talking about a, a, an $800,000 a year offensive coordinator that's going to be calling the plays. We are talking about guys that two, three weeks ago were not allowed to be on the field in coaching roles that are now playing major roles. And so because of it, I don't think we can know what to expect from a Nebraska offense that, to be honest, hadn't been all that good. I don't think they were bad necessarily, but you look at their results in the lead up to those firings, 17 points against Ohio State, 23 against Purdue, 23 against Minnesota. So those were the last three games that not broken 24 points. And now the entire offensive staff is, is gone as Scott Frost is clearly starting to prepare for next season for 2022, new coaching staff, probably a lot of new players in the program. But it is interesting to note that when you start to look at that over under 42, there's a reason that it's that way. And part of it is that Nebraska is being coached entirely on offense by almost an, a, a completely new staff. Then there's Wisconsin. And what I'll tell you is this. I thought I was really ahead of Wisconsin being a little bit overrated to start the season. But they have been awesome over the last five, six, seven weeks. And I can tell you right now, if they continue to play the way that they have, I think this is a team that is going to give the Big Ten East champion, uh, whoever that may be, whether it ends up being Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State, I think most of us expect it to be Ohio State. I think that this team can give that, I think that Wisconsin can give that team a real, uh, you know, a real tough go of it in the Big Ten championship game. Now, Wisconsin obviously needs to win their final two games. They are tied in. They are tied atop the Big Ten West standings with Iowa. They have a head-to-head -head win over Iowa. So Wisconsin, of course, would have to win its last two games or have Iowa lose one of its last two games to get into the Big Ten championship game. But if if they get there, I think they're going to give uh, somebody problems. And let me explain why. First of all, they are just playing really good football across the board. Six-game winning streak. Two, what they're doing better than they, they, they did certainly to start the year, they're just taking care of the football. And you guys know that I was very critical of Graham Mertz uh, throughout most of the season, and I think it was mostly justified. But they are currently on a six-game winning streak. And how about this last five-game stretch for Wisconsin? For Graham Mertz specifically, the first five games of the year when Wisconsin started two and three, two touchdowns, seven interceptions in those first five games. The last five games, all of them wins, six touchdowns, two interceptions, and on the defensive side of the ball, Wisconsin is doing a much better job of forcing turnovers while also taking better care of the football. So Graham Mertz, first five games, two touchdowns, seven interceptions, last five, six touchdowns, two interceptions. How about this as a defense? Five forced turnovers in a win over Purdue, three forced turnovers in a win over Iowa, four forced turnovers in a win over Rutgers a few weeks ago. And so this is how you turn around a season. 
you play elite defense, which you're going to get into in a minute, you stop turning the ball over, and you force a million turnovers on the other end. That's how you get to on a six-game win streak in the middle of the year. And I'll tell you this. I remember going into the Iowa game talking about this. Wisconsin was dead last in college football in turnover margin. They are all the way up to 75th nationally now, which doesn't sound good, but considering where they were, it's actually borderline incredibly incredible. Finally, what I would say about Wisconsin, does anyone realize how awesome this defense is? Because, like, look, we talk about Georgia, and we should talk about Georgia. Georgia's awesome. They were my preseason pick to win the national championship, okay? They are incredible. They are historic. And Wisconsin is actually better than them in most categories. How about this? Wisconsin, number one total defense in all of college football right now, giving up 211 yards per game. How about that 211 yards per game? That is actually 35 yards better per game than Georgia is. Georgia, the greatest defense we've ever seen, giving up 35 more yards per game than Wisconsin. Wisconsin also has the number one rush defense, allowing 55 yards per game. That is staggering. The number two pass defense in all of college football. And they're also the number two scoring defense in all of college football, giving up 14 a game. But I think even that number is deceptive. Georgia's given up a little over seven per game. Wisconsin giving up 14. But that number is deceptive for one very simple reason. They gave up a lot of points late in games where they blew leads and they blew games late against Michigan and Notre Dame. Remember that Notre Dame game? I think it was 10-10 going into the fourth quarter. I think it was 13-13, if my memory serves me correct, actually. 31 fourth quarter points allowed to Notre Dame, 25 in the second half against Michigan, 18 in the fourth quarter. You start taking out those late runs, that's when all their points have been given up. So this team is playing incredible football, and they are now going up against a Nebraska squad that we have no idea what to make of, especially on the offensive side of the football. Now I will say, Nebraska, obviously the defensive staff for Nebraska is still intact, but it is also worth noting that for for Nebraska, one of their top playmakers Jojo Doman is out for the year he will not be playing in this game so just a weird game for Nebraska Nebraska hasn't lost a game by more than nine points all year there are seven losses all by nine points or less the spread is nine and a half but I am just telling you that over under as crazy as it sounds might not be so terrible I mentioned we get to some games that I didn't even talk about on Monday's show so let's get to another one And how about a really kind of important game for the next three weeks in the college football playoff picture? That is Iowa State traveling to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a four-point favorite. The over-under is set at 60-and-a-half. And we know the deal for Oklahoma, right? They got to start winning, winning convincingly, and impressing this committee, which now has them ranked 13th coming out of Tuesday night's newest college football playoff poll. Um, What I would say about this game I think a couple really interesting things. One, this was supposed to be, think about the preseason, what this game was supposed to mean. These were supposed to be the two best teams in the Big 12. Spencer Rattler was supposed to be competing for a Heisman Trophy, and instead, we got Caleb Williams starting under center against an Iowa State team that is currently 6-4 and four and just lost a game last week to Texas Tech 41-38. This great defense, 41-38 is the final score. They give up a 62-yard field goal at the end of regulation to lose to Texas Tech. What I would say about this game specifically coming in, doing research, because again, I didn't talk about it on Monday's show. Two very interesting trends in this game that I think are worth discussing. One, not very surprising at all. 
Caleb Williams is a completely different quarterback at home versus on the road. I know last week against Baylor, he got his hand stepped on. He wasn't 100%. But Lincoln Riley even said, I didn't pull Caleb Williams because he was hurt. I pulled Caleb Williams because I thought our offense needed a spark. And so Caleb Williams will obviously be starting, but coming off just a really, really bad game at Baylor. But that has kind of been the Caleb Williams experience. In his two road games this year, 172 yard, 142 yards last week, zero touchdowns, two interceptions at Baylor, 172 yards, two touchdowns, one INT at Kansas. Now that game was a little bit different because if you remember, Kansas was trying to play this super, super duper slow tempo. And so because of it, um, two games where Caleb Williams is averaging on the road as opposed to at home, you look at what Caleb Williams is doing, um, just a completely different deal, especially when you look at what he has done at home. Like I said, 172 yards, two TDs, one INT versus Kansas on the road. 142 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions versus Baylor on the road. Here's what he's done at home. 402 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions versus Texas Tech. 295 yards, four touchdowns versus TCU. Those are both at home. So in his four complete starts, taking out that Texas game where he came in in the middle, he is averaging about 350 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions at home, as opposed to on the road where he is averaging about 155 yards or so passing with two total TDs and three interceptions. Then there is the Iowa State element of this, and I was blown away when I saw this, okay? So I know Iowa State, it's been a disappointing year, but I still think when we think Iowa State, we think that defense, we think it's kind of elite, we think, well, you know what we think about Iowa State. Matt Campbell doesn't play a sexy brand of football, doesn't coach a sexy brand of football, but he knows how to get his guys playing a certain type of way. Except here's the thing. They too, like Caleb Williams, have been a completely different team at home versus on the road. Here are their results at home this season in Big 12 play for Iowa State. Beat Kansas 59-7. Beat Oklahoma State, only team to beat Oklahoma State this year, 24-21. Beat Texas 30-7, make your Texas jokes there. But think about that, 7 points, 21 points, 7 points in their three Big 12 home games this season. Then they go on the road, 31-29 loss at Baylor. No shame in that, but 31 points, you don't want to give up that many. 33-20 win at Kansas State, that's great. Then, 38-31 loss at West Virginia. 41-38 loss at Texas Tech. And so this season, in four Big 12 road games, they've given up at least 30 points three times. They're allowing an average of 35 points in their Big 12 road games. And I think that directly coincides with what Caleb Williams does at home and what Iowa State's defense is doing on the road. Never tell you how to bet, but that over-under of 60.5, that feels about right as this Iowa State team, for whatever reason, is not the same away from Jack Trice Stadium, especially defensively. They cannot get stops. Caleb Williams is much better. There's no indication to believe that Caleb Williams will not be less than 100%, will be anything less than 100%, I should say, going into this one. But I'm telling you, you talk about just a fascinating, fascinating deal. I don't know if it gets more fascinating than that as Iowa State's defense has been abysmal this season away from home. Last one, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, One I did talk about a little bit on Saturday, but probably not a ton, or on Monday show, excuse me, but not a ton. And that is a game that's going to be taking place, oh, I don't know, about 10 minutes from where I live. That is UCLA at USC, the Crosstown rivalry. Victory Bell is at stake. UCLA is a three-point favorite. Over-under is set for 66 and a half. I know I talked about a little, little bit about this one on Monday show. Shame on me. 
But let's get into this one. And what I would say is every single stat I can find indicates that this one's going to be a shootout. First of all, the last two times that these teams have played, they have been absolute shootouts uh, in terms of since, uh, you know, the last two times that these teams have played overall in this rivalry. You look at last year, it was a late rally for USC. They won that one 43 to 38. So I'm not great at math, but you do some quick math. I think that's 81 points right there. The year before, 52 to 35 win. That one is 87 points right there. So I don't know. I, I'm not great at math, but you get the point. Both of them well over the 66 and a half points uh, over under for this one. Uh, I should mention if I didn't, the spread for UCLA is minus three. And what I would say is I don't expect this one to be any different in terms of the overall points scored in this game. For UCLA, I would say I think there's an interesting thing going on at UCLA. I talked a little bit about it on this Monday show here. Um, Usually, I think the pressure at UCLA, like I think people outside of Los Angeles have a bigger expectation for UCLA football and what it should be than what is actually in Los Angeles. But I will also tell you right now, people are starting in Los Angeles to lose patience with Chip Kelly and UCLA, despite the fact that they may finish eight and four. And it's specifically because of the defense. Now, defensively, if you just look at the overall body of work. It doesn't seem as though this is an atrocious defense. They rank 76 nationally, allowing 27 and a half points per game. But what I would tell you is when they are going up against the good teams on their schedule, it has been a real struggle for UCLA to get stops, okay? So a few weeks ago, they play Arizona State at home, give up 42. I should mention that first loss to Fresno, they give up 40. Um, they the, a, a few weeks ago, they play Oregon at home, give up 34 gave up 44 on the road at Utah, and gave up 20 in the first half against Colorado. And so the only reason that statistically their their defense isn't worse is because they've played some really bad offenses. Arizona, they only gave up 16 points to Washington, which obviously just fired Jimmy Lake. They gave up 17, and uh, that Colorado offense last week was awful, and they still gave up 20 in the first half. And so a lot of the fire that Chip Kelly is under is the fact that it does not appear as though Chip Kelly, a very loyal guy by nature, plans on making any changes to his coaching staff. And I think that would be a big tactical mistake because this team is really struggling, especially against the pass, 115th nationally. And oh, by the way, he could criticize USC for a lot of things. You know, the one thing that USC does really, really, really well, they throw the freaking football in that air raid system 304 yards passing per game national uh 300 304 yards per game passing that is 17th nationally that is first in the Pac-12 that is an explosive pass offense now what's especially interesting about this USC pass offense is that they will not be starting Keaton Slovis this week so Keaton Slovis is hurt they will be playing the quote-unquote backup a, a freshman named Jackson Dart but if you watch that Washington State game earlier in the year I think there's a lot of people at USC that have wanted Jackson Dart for a while Started against Washington State when Keaton Slovis couldn't play. 391 yards, four touchdowns, and then from there, basically, essentially, um, uh, the, the coaching staff, Dante Williams and the coaching staff, has refused to play him, been loyal to Keaton Slovis. Well, now he's coming in. So that pass offense is going against that abysmal US UCLA pass defense. And then what I would say is UCLA's run game has been awesome all year. And they're going up against a really bad USC run defense. USC, the last time we saw them, remember, they didn't play last week because of the whole situation at Cal with the COVID stuff. But guess what? Last time USC played, almost 300 yards allowed on offense on the ground to Arizona State. That is almost seven yards per carry. 
So you just talk about a simple math equation. USC's pass defense is really uh, pass offense is really good going up against the bad UCLA pass defense, and USC's run defense is abysmal going up against a really good UCLA run defense. All right, you guys happy? Did some games that I didn't do last week. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We will hit on the big ones from this week. UC, uh, Oregon, Utah, of course, Ohio State, Michigan State. Hit on a couple other ones that are intriguing. Of course, that Wake Forest Clemson game I have a lot of thoughts on. And we'll get to a couple others throughout the show. A lot of good stuff coming up. Let's take a quick break. All right. I want to get to the rest of the week 12 slate in college football in a minute. But before we do, you know what I got to do. I got to welcome back our partners, our friends at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Many of you ask me, Torres, love what you do. How can I help? Well, this is what I need you to do. If you have never used DraftKings before, if you are a first-time user, we have a very special offer for you, courtesy of listeners of the college football betting from DraftKings. Need you to go sign up. Need you to use the link in the show description here. Here is the deal that you need to know about. College football, as you know, is rolling, and our partners at DraftKings have an incredible offer for you college football junkies for first-time users. Bet $1. Just bet one singular dollar on any game. And if that team scores one singular point, you get $100 in free bets courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. That's right. Bet $1 on any team. Don't tell you what to do. Might, I think Ohio State might score a point this week. If they, bet, if they score one point, you win $100 in free bets. All you got to do, this is it. Click the link in the show description. Sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook and make your first deposit. Make a $1 bet on any team. And if your team scores one point, you get an automatic $100 thanks to our friends at DraftKings. It is the best offer going in sports betting. So act now. I should also mention, don't know if we have any listeners in Louisiana, but Louisiana sports betting is coming to your mobile phones soon. DraftKings has a special offer for you as well, and I will put this link in the show description as well. If you just sign up using my code, you got to use my promo link. The link is in the show description. If you sign up, you don't even have to bet. They will give you $100 for first-time users in the state of Louisiana. You have to be in Louisiana. Use the show description link and make sure you sign up. $100 in free bets for anyone in Louisiana. Obviously, if you live in Louisiana, you know that sports betting is coming to your mobile phones here very soon. Should mention, of course, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, again, in Tennessee. Must be 21 plus or over to enter, 18 plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only for the one bet, $1 for one bet for one point special, minimum $5 deposit, minimum $1 wager, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings Sportsbook, DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's rip through some of those other games, the big games, the ones that we have not yet talked about, and wrap up this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. The first one, listen, 
it is the game that we all want to talk about. We all want to be at. It'd be an incredible game to be at. It is the top 10 matchup at the Horseshoe, noon Eastern time kickoff, Michigan State at Ohio State. Michigan State is actually a 19-point underdog, Ohio State a 19-point favorite. That number is actually down from earlier this week when it was about a 19-and-a-half-point spread. The over-under is set at 68-and-a-half. And I guess the big change in this one, Mel Tucker's got a lot more zeros next to his name. Uh, did you see this story that Mel Tucker is reportedly on the brink of signing, check this out, a 10-year, $95 million extension. $95 million, are you kidding me? But I'll say this is the going rate. There was talk that LSU would be interested in bringing in Mel Tucker as its head coach. Mel Tucker has SEC ties. He coached at LSU under Nick Saban. And Michigan State basically said, look, we are not going to lose a second coach this century to LSU after the greatest coach maybe in the history of the sport, Nick Saban, was, at, was in East Lansing and went to LSU. I know it was a different era. Don't know if Nick Saban would have considered staying at Michigan State, but Mel Tucker does not have to worry about that as he will now be the highest paid coach in the Big Ten and I think the second highest paid coach in all of college football behind Nick Saban after signing this deal if it goes through as reported. That has nothing to do with this game. And what I would say about this game is the same concern that I had on Monday's show is the same one that I have now after digging through everything over the course of this week. And that is that Michigan State, as great as they have been under Mel Tucker, they have one singular issue that I just think, I would argue of any contender for a playoff berth, right? If we're arguing that Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Oregon, whoever are contenders for the college football playoff. I would argue that no team has a bigger flaw than Michigan State's pass defense. I told you earlier in the week, nothing has changed. No games have been played. Michigan State has the worst pass defense in college football, allowing 329 yards per game and opposing quarterbacks to complete 64% of your passes. That is not going to get it done against elite passing teams like Purdue a few weeks ago, and I don't think it's going to get it done against an Ohio State team that has maybe the best group of receivers that we have seen in recent college football history. I know I said it on Monday, Alabama had four first-rounders on one team, so I don't know if this team is better, but think about how good Ohio State's pass game is. Number six in the country in pass offense, number one in the country, 10 yards per completion, and every single week there is a new guy that steps up Last week, it was Garrett Wilson, 10 catches, 128 yards, four total touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing. The week before, Garrett Wilson wasn't even available against Nebraska. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 15 catches, 240 yards. Nebraska has no answer for him. Chris Olave makes plays. On top of that, you have wide receivers that would be the number one guy at most schools. Julian Fleming, number one wide receiver in the class of 2020. He can't get even on the field. Travion Henderson is a good receiver out of the backfield. Jeremy Ruckert is a great passing catch, great pass catching tight end. I don't know how you stop all of these weapons if you were Michigan State. And so when I look at this game, I just don't think that Michigan State is going to have the answer over four quarters against Ohio State like a lot of other inferior pass defense teams have had. I would also say for Michigan State, there is a way to expose Ohio State, and that is through the pass game yourself. The problem is Michigan State is obviously going to try and establish Kenneth Walker on the ground. Just one problem. 
Ohio State has a top 15 run defense, and I am just not sure that Peyton Thorne, a quarterback that has been up and down but not great over the last few weeks, is the guy that is going to get the job done. Played very well last week against a bad Maryland defense, 287 yards passing, four touchdowns. But, uh, you know, the week before, uh, he's doing okay. But against Michigan, a very good pass defense in its own right, less than seven yards per completion, 196 yards passing. Against Indiana's defense, 126 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. And so I just look at this situation and I just don't know how the stops come for Michigan State on offense and how the offense comes for Michigan State on defense. Ohio State, again, the pass defense is not great. I don't know if Michigan State is the one to expose them. I don't tell you how to bet. The 19 points feels like a lot, but I get where the odds makers at DraftKings are coming from because I'm just telling you, man, that is a potent, potent, potent Michigan State or Ohio State offense going up against a weak Ohio Michigan State defense. Let's get to the next mega game on this week's slate. Another top 25 matchup. Now, it's not a top 10 matchup like that one, but it will come Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern, from our good friends in Salt Lake City, Utah, baby. That's right, number three, Oregon at number 23, Utah. And this one, like Ohio State, Michigan State, the point spread looks surprising on paper, but it has not changed over the course of the week. Utah Open is about a three-point favorite. That number is the same. The over-under is set at 59, so we will enter the game. Now, it's still only Thursday, so things can change, but we will enter the game with the number three team in the country as an underdog on the road, and again, I believe it's with good reason. This is no disrespect to Oregon, Joe Moorhead, Anthony Brown, their quarterback, but Joe Moorhead gets this praise about being this incredible play caller, which I think he is, by the way. This offense has not been great, and I'm not even necessarily blaming Joe Moorhead. I am just saying that for all the hype we talk about this Oregon offense, I don't think it's been the same since two things happened. One, since Joe Moorhead had to leave for a few weeks because of that health scare, glad that he's okay, but that was obviously a scary situation. Two, I don't think this offense has been the same since C.J. Verdell went down with injury. I talked about it on Monday's show, but the last couple weeks, let's look at what they've done. It was 14-14 at the half against Wazoo before they pulled away. 26 points against Washington in a game that they easily could have lost if Jimmy Lake didn't punt down eight with whatever, like two minutes to go. On top of that, even that great win against UCLA, we just talked about UCLA's defense. 34 points for Oregon against a UCLA defense that against every elite offense they're going up against is giving up 40-plus points per game. They gave up 20-and-a-half to Colorado last week, and Colorado is awful. And so to me, with Oregon, the run game is great, but the 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 the, the run game is not as explosive without C.J. Verdell, and the pass game has really struggled. Anthony Brown last week against Wazoo, 195 yards passing. Against Washington the week before, and I know you're playing the number one pass defense in college football, 95 yards. That is not going to get it done, especially against a Utah team that, again, I don't think people realize is a very explosive offense. How good is this offense? How about this? Last six games for Utah, 42 points against USC, 35 against ASU, 34 in a loss to Oregon, 44 for UCLA against UCLA, 52 against Stanford, 38 against Arizona. So last six games, 
I mean, we're talking, the last five games, excuse me, that's basically half of a season. They have gone for 34-plus points. As I told you the other day, they've been a different offense since Cam Rising took over full-time. And again, I just don't think people realize this offense is explosive, number one scoring offense in the Pac-12. And if Oregon is going to win this game, they are going to have to score points. Let's go to yet another well, this one's not a top 25 matchup. SMU at Cincinnati. The money is actually coming in on Cincinnati, or on SMU, excuse me. This was a 12-point spread on Monday when I recorded it. It's down to 10.5. The over-under is 65. And so what is interesting about this game, the money from the professional bettors is clearly coming in on SMU. And even though kind of the stats and the style and everything seem to indicate that it would be advantage Cincinnati. In terms of why the money might be coming in on, on SMU, well, it's because Cincinnati hasn't been great for about a month, month and a half now. They got that big win at Notre Dame. Since then, 27-20 win at Navy. Uh, 31-12 win against Tulane, but that game was 14-12 at halftime, 21-12 going into the fourth quarter before they pulled away. 28-20 to Tulsa. And then even last week when Cincinnati was able to get a win against a really bad South Florida team, that was the game where the defense kind of let them down. They gave up 28 points to South Florida. Uh, and gave up over uh, 350 or so yards in total offense. And so we're talking about a bad South Florida team there. I just don't think Cincinnati has been clicking for three, four, five weeks in a row. What I would also say, they had SMU's number last year, and this, that's what would concern me, is one, the strength of Cincinnati's defense is the pass defense. They are top 10 nationally, number six in the country in pass defense, going up against a potent SMU pass offense. As I told you the other day, a, a big concern of mine would be going back to last year. This SMU offense was rolling, and I remember this because I actually been on it. I don't really want to talk about it, but the SMU offense was rolling. They had scored 35 points in every single game they had played up to that point. They were held to 13 points against Cincinnati last week, last year, and Cincinnati won by 29. That game was in Dallas. So I know it was a little bit of a different deal. I know Marcus Freeman, the now Notre Dame defensive coordinator, was at Cincinnati at the time. It doesn't change the fact that Cincinnati has seemed to have Sonny Dykes' number at SMU, but that spread is 10.5. It is down from 12. All of the money coming in on SMU. Really quickly, the only real marquee game from the SEC this week, we'll start to wrap up here, that is the top 25 matchup between Arkansas and Alabama. Alabama is a 21 and a half, 21 point favorite right now. The over-under set at 58. And what I'll just tell you, this game in some ways, the handicapping of it reminds me a lot of what I just said with the, uh, with the Cincinnati SMU game is that all of the numbers, all of the advanced metrics tell you that Alabama, that number feels about right. But what I would also say is stylistically and from what we see with the eye test, I don't know how you could take Bama at such a big number. I know Bama just destroyed New Mexico State, but this was a team that had six yards rushing two weeks ago against LSU off of a bye. And so that would concern me. But what, what would concern me if I was taking the Arkansas side is that the bottom line is, is that all of the things that Alabama doesn't do well, those are not Arkansas strengths. So I just used double negative there, but what I would say is the way to slow down Alabama, it's pretty simple. You got to be able to pass the ball, and you got to be able to get pressure on Bryce Young. Bryce Young's really talented, but the O-line is not playing well. The concern for me is that Arkansas only has 19 total sacks 
in 10 games of college football this year. That is not very many, especially against an Alabama offensive line that can't stop having Bryce Young get sacked as they have given up 24 sacks in 10 games, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide have. And so on top of the fact that the Arkansas cannot get pressure on the quarterback, uh, the other big concern is that Alabama's pass defense is really susceptible. Arkansas struggles to throw the ball, 206 yards passing per game. And as I said the other day, K.J. Jefferson, I think they've, they've largely let him kind of be dual threat, let him run. But the passing numbers don't jump off the page. 142 passing yards against LSU a couple nights ago and then 191 yards against uh, 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 against Mississippi State. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic between what the eye test tells you, what the numbers tell you. But I also want to count out this Arkansas team. They're tough. They make plays. They figure out how to stay in games again. Three-point win last week against LSU. Three-point win the other week against Mississippi State. One-point loss to Ole Miss earlier this year. So really, you take out that Georgia game. Arkansas has been awesome. They are a team that fights and that is resilient. A couple other SEC games. Uh, I will not be betting the South Carolina-Auburn game. Auburn is a 7.5-point favorite at South Carolina. It is a 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff over under set for 44.5. The, the money is coming in on Auburn despite the fact that Bo Nix is hurting out for the year. That is very surprising to me. What I would also say is it is very surprising not only because Bo Nix is out, but also because when you look at South Carolina, South Carolina is playing some pretty decent football. I know they lost last week at Missouri, but two weeks ago, the last time they played a home game was obviously uh, against Florida in a big win against Florida. They are 3-1, and 4-1, and one, excuse me, this season at home is South Carolina. Their only loss, a 16-10 to 10 loss to, 10, to Kentucky earlier this year. So they've taken care of business at home. And it's also worth noting with South Carolina, one other thing. They have, they're 5-5 five and five and have two games left to get bowl eligible. Well, you know who they play next week. That is the Clemson Tigers. I don't think they expect to beat Clemson, although I know it's a rivalry and they're going to say the right things that they expect to win every game they play. But if they want to get bowl eligible, this is probably going to be their best shot against against TJ Finley and the Auburn Tigers again. I think Auburn's a good team. I think they're playing well under Brian Harson. Uh, I know they've lost a couple in a row, including last week. They blew a huge lead to Mississippi State. But I'm just telling you, um, you know, I can't, uh, you know, I, 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 it feels weird that they are that big of a favorite at South Carolina. Last little SEC line, you know where I'm going, and you know what I'm going to tell you. I don't know what to make of the Florida and Missouri line. Florida is a nine-point favorite. The over-under is 69-and-a-half. That over-under is obviously in place for very obvious reasons. The main one being uh, Florida's defense can't stop anybody. What, they give up 50-something points the other day against Sanford? Not Sanford and Son, regular just just regular old Sanford. Florida gave up 52 points. They gave up over 500 yards of total offense. And so I just think that when I look at this, I just I, I can't I can't tell you what to do. I think we all know what Florida's limitations are. I think we all know what realistic expectations are in terms of um, you know, what this game will look like. The over-under feels about right, but Florida is obviously just a complete disaster right now. A couple ACC games I want to talk about really quick. First one, not technically an ACC game. Georgia Tech at Notre Dame. It is kind of because Notre Dame has that scheduling alliance with the ACC. I'll say this. Notre Dame's a 17-point favorite. Georgia Tech 
is not very good in the win-loss record category, but if you look at their overall season, they're not terrible. Three and seven overall, um, but this is a 17-point spread. All of Georgia Tech's losses have been by 11 points or less, and one thing that has stood out to me about Georgia Tech, three of their last four losses, they have scored at least 30 points. So could I see a scenario where Georgia Tech is able to put up 21, 24 points and win, and keep this thing close against George, uh, Notre Dame? I could. Notre Dame last week, of course, won 28-3 against Virginia. Virginia was playing a backup quarterback, so don't take it too much to grain. Don't take it too much to heart the fact that they were able to beat a potent Virginia offense because Virginia was obviously playing without Brennan Armstrong. Uh, what else? Last one. I talked about this one earlier this week. I wrote about it at Aaron Torres Online. Clemson and Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a or Wake Forest is a four and a half point underdog. Obviously, making Clemson a four and a half point favorite. The over under is set at fifty seven. And I'll say this: Don't tell you what to bet. Don't tell you how to spend your money. But I have been on Clemson all year long, and I think I've been mostly right. Said early on, they were overrated. They lose to Georgia. As soon as that Georgia Tech game happened, I said this offense stinks. I said this is not a credit Georgia Tech, credit this. Their offense stinks. I was ahead of Clemson before everybody else. But then also, a few weeks ago, when I thought they started to turn a corner against Florida State, I said, I think this team is starting to move in the right direction. All of a sudden, Clemson's sitting at 7-3. and three. They could be 9-3 and three by the end of the season. So I bet on Clemson, and I'll tell you, I don't think this spread is right. I actually think Wake Forest should be slightly favored, and let me tell you why. They have scored on everybody, okay? 35-plus, 30 not 30-fluff, 35-plus points per game on every single opponent that they've played. And on top of that, it's not as though they've played bad defenses. They played NC State last week, which was a top-20 defense, and they ended up putting up 45 points on them and got into a shootout with them. And so when I look at this game, this is a game that I could see both teams scoring in the 30s, and it might take 35 to win. It might take 37 to win. And one, I think it's going to be an interesting game for Clemson because I think this is a team that is going to be able to move the ball on Clemson. And as good as Clemson's defense is, and they're awesome, Let's not act like people haven't been able to move the ball on Clemson throughout this season. Remember, a few weeks ago, uh, Pitt put up 27 points and over 400 yards of total offense. Uh, before that, or excuse me, shortly there after that, Louisville had almost 400 yards of total offense. So it's not as though teams cannot move the ball on Clemson, although Clemson's defense is really good. Then there's Wake Forest. 105th ranked rush defense, 106th nationally in total defense. Never forget, this is a Wake Forest team that gave up 50-plus points to Army. They gave up 50-plus points to UNC a few weeks ago and 42 to NC State last week. I think this will be high scoring. I expect it to be a shootout. I never tell you where to place your wagers, but I'll just tell you this. I will just tell you this. This should be a fun one. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. I think it's time for me to get out of here. We have done enough. Hope you enjoyed the detailed Wisconsin-Nebraska breakdown. I'm pretty sure no one else in America was giving you that kind of info on the Wisconsin-Nebraska game. So I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. I will be back next week. I told you, I don't know exactly what the taping schedule will be next week. I am traveling Tuesday. Thanksgiving is Thursday. We'll definitely do at least one episode. The question is if and when we get out that second episode. If you guys have any advice or thoughts on when would be a good time to get out the second episode, please let me know, and I will do what I can to accommodate. Uh, before we get out of here, make sure that you are, of course, subscribed. College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. 
iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions if you have any questions for the show. And finally, please leave a rating and review. It really would help. That is all. Good luck this weekend with your bets. I'll be back next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.